Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. We are in the book of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 31 is where I'll start reading. The true family of Jesus. How many of you know, sometimes family, we don't share blood in a biological sense, do we? We share blood by Jesus Christ, and that's what makes us family. And I'm so thankful for that. So thankful. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. Man, you know you're in trouble when mama comes for you, right? Mamas, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? When mama comes hollering for you. But there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Chapter 4, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore, and he taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. I had a full baptistry. I could have put a boat in there today. What was I thinking? That just hit me. I could have taught from a boat in the baptistry before... If I'd have fought it, I'd have done it. I'm just warning (laughs) y'all. Just give me a little two-person dinghy. That's all I need. I'm telling you. Where's all them kayaks y'all were using for sledding, right? I threw a kayak in there. I'd have done it. (laughs) Here's the parable Jesus shared with them. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with uh, underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly, but the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And I'm so disappointed. I could have been in a boat today. <clears throat> you know, normally, I'm sure when I started reading that, you thought, yeah, yeah, we've heard this scripture before. Yeah, yeah. I've taught this plenty of times. Um, but mostly when we talk about this parable, we usually focus on the soil, right? Like that's sort of the key point all the time of of soil cultivation. What kind of soil are you? And... Um, and, and soil cultivation is very important. If you're a farmer, sorry Jerry isn't here with us today. Man, he would have been perfect for today's sermon. Um, if you're a farmer, you understand that sometimes we have to do things to our soil, right, to make it better so that it grows better. Um, what are some of the things we do? One thing, we have to remove rocks. Now, that's a must in this area. Like, I remember picking up a few rocks in my daddy's garden, but nothing like in this 
part of the world. <laughs> I mean, you know, I remember, I don't know if Brittany remembers this, I remember us cleaning rocks off of our driveway when the kids were little so they could play basketball, right? Because can't bounce the ball when there's rocks. Well, it rained, much like we're going through now. And after it rained, Alex went out there and some of those bigger rocks had come and he said, do they grow, mama? <laughs> well, to a little kid, that's what it looks like, right? Um, and, and that's what it looks like in our garden sometimes. And, you know, teenagers, we used to, I don't know if any of you guys were in the group that we did fundraisers where we went and picked up rocks to clean off people's, that might have been around Seth's age group around in there, I don't know, but I think it was for Basil and Penny. We went and cleared their road of rocks. I didn't quite understand that until we got Brittany's car and the low ground clearance, and I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a real deal thing. So that's one way we improve our soil, by removing the rocks. Another thing we do is uh, creating compost. Anybody, does anybody in here compost besides dead chickens? <laughs> That's the only compost I'm familiar with in this area. Um, I remember my mom and dad did a little bit of that. Um, and usually you, you take your some of your stuff out of your kitchen and leaves and things, but you have to, it was too much work for me to, I remember going through that. Everybody goes through that, let's save the, the world thing once or twice in their life where, you know, we're going to do something to help the world. And composting was one of those things I thought I would do one time until I figured out how much work it was. And then I was over it. I was like, ah, it's okay. The world is still turning. It's okay. Um, so I wasn't much of a composter, but you do that and it helps what? Replenish the soil, right? Um, depending on what you put in that compost, though. You know, it's kind of like a, a recipe. Another thing is to cultivate the soil is adding nutrients to it, right? Um, this lesson actually taught me that one thing, and tell me if any of you guys have ever, ever done this, it says tomatoes like the extra calcium, so some people will put milk or eggshells to their... Anybody, have you ever done that? Yeah, oh, got one. Yeah? Um, my daddy did something weird with, like, out-of-date um, birth controls. I don't know if that was appropriate or not. And we could probably blame... No, you can't blame that on me um, because I didn't eat tomatoes. There you go. I was safe. Um, but it was just one of those farmer tail things. I don't know. Now, another thing daddy used to do, he used to take the ashes out of our wood stove and put... What, what does that add back in there? Is that, like, lime or something? Potash, okay. Um, all I know is I got tired of toting the buckets out to the garden, <laughs> cleaning out those stoves and toting the buckets out there, you know. So dad would add that to things. Um, another thing we do when we, soil, when we are cultivating our soil is we rotate the crops. I'm sure you're familiar with that. You don't grow the same thing in the same spot every year or two, depending on what it is. You know, I, I remember dad, I'm, daddy would always have like it mapped out on paper. I don't know if anybody else gets that strategic with their garden, but you know, he would map out where everything was going for the year. And I, you know, uh, switching the tomatoes over to this side and the corn over to this side or whatever you were growing. Soil cultivation is a good thing. So when we talk about this scripture, it's, it's still a good thing, but we always just assume the important part of this is the soil cultivation. You know, when I've preached it before, what kind of soil are you when the seed is planted in your life? But the problem when we focus too much on that is it leads us to this thought that if we work harder, 
or we become better Christians, it somehow will influence God to work on our behalf more. So focusing on the, the cultivation um, is it's not a bad thing. In fact, that's what we're doing right now in the middle of Lent. What are we doing? We're fasting or we're adding to our routines right now. Why? To create the space so that we are drawing near to God, right? So that God can work in our life better. So that we can hear from God in a different way. So, so that's sort of what we're doing right now. Soil cultivation in our own life. So it's not that it's a bad thing. But you have to understand, spiritual disciplines like fasting or whatever you're doing for Lent, it's a tool to help you. But if we're not careful, we, we begin to think of it as that magic ticket. If I do this, you know, that, that A plus B will equal C, right? And so we have to be careful, and, and we live in a culture that rewards us. It values productivity, right? So like at your job, when you show better productivity, you're rewarded with a raise or with a bonus or with a whatever it may be. Teachers, you're rewarded when your, your students' tests come back better, right? That's the culture we live in where the value is placed on that hard work. One of the things God has for us to kind of balance that out is the Sabbath. And it's a hard one for us. It is a hard one for us because we do live in the culture of 24-7, 365. Nothing ever stops, right? Nothing ever stops. So the Sabbath is sort of that corrective practice that we have that God wants it to balance us. When you go back and you study what the Sabbath is, God said, this is the day of rest. What did God do on his day of rest? He looked back on everything he'd done in the last six days and said, that's good. That's good. Now, God didn't need a rest, by the way. Do you understand he created it for you and I? Sabbath was created for you and I. And we need that rest. You know, when pastors and I are talking about taking our Sabbath and we, we discuss like, who takes which days as Sabbath, some people like to take it like on a Friday. I actually prefer Monday if I can make it happen because I feel like it's that reset for me. And I look back on Sunday and I look back on the last week and I say, sometimes I say, that was good. <laughs> sometimes I say, let's cultivate a little bit, <laughs> you know, God, let's do, you know, but it, it kind of is like a switching point for me to where I'm like, this was last week. And now I'm looking ahead. So Sabbath is, is a tool. It's a, it's a way for you and I to refresh ourselves and counter that culture of productivity, right? Um, problem is, though, we're, we're always working. I know I'm, I'm talking to a, a community of farmers, and it is 24-7 sometimes, which means you have to work harder to put Sabbath in there. Well, BJ, you know, uh, I'm not talking about like the, the emergencies that happen, right? Because what is it, what happens in Sabbath is I'm also saying, I trust you, God, that I can rest today. And the world is not going to fall apart because I'm not working. Really and truly. And I get caught up into this as much as anybody when uh, there's just always a to-do list. 
always. And, and somehow I fear if I stop one day, what? It's going to snowball on me, right? But Sabbath says, I trust you, God. Here's a question. Do we trust God to do the work in us even if we're not working? Think about that. When we talk about that soil cultivation and we feel like, well, I'm, I'm not good soil, so I got to keep doing this and I got to keep doing that and I got to keep doing this. Do we, do we lose the focus of who's really doing the work? You see, because God is the one that does the work. There's a, an old thing that Thomas and I heard early in ministry uh, of a man who God said, I need you to, to push this rock. It was a huge rock outside his house every day. And God told him, said, I need you to push on this rock. So every day the guy stepped out and he pushed and he pushed and the rock went nowhere. And out of just pure frustration, the guy one day said, I'm done. Lord, I I don't even know what you were thinking because I have pushed this rock every single day and it has not moved. And then God said, I didn't tell you to move the rock. I simply told you to push it. I'll be the one that moves it when it's time. Wow, that really revolutionized because we were in a point of ministry where we didn't really see anything happening. We didn't really know if these kids were really catching on to anything. And that, when you're in ministry, man, you can can give 100%, and if you don't even see 1% come back sometimes... Teachers, you know the same thing when you're working with your kids and you're like, why do I stand up here every day and I teach and are they even catching anything, (laughs) you know? But see, God said, I told you to push, not move the rock. I'll do that work. So when we're focused on our own efforts, we may also incorrectly conclude that it's us doing that work. You know, when we focus on that And then what happens is it becomes legalistic, right? So I I have to show up every Sunday. I have to show up, you know, used to it was Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, what? if the doors were open, I have to be there because Lord knows God can't keep that church going without me. (laughs) Right? That's... Is that what we think? I mean, we may not really be having that exact conversation, but in essence, that's what we're telling God, right? So we have to be careful that it doesn't become legalistic when we're talking about this soil cultivation in our life. Because then when it becomes focused on me, what I do, then we have what we call the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And again, this just simply says, if I work hard enough, God will bless me with this. But that's not true, is it? Because for every great testimony I can hear, I bet there's three more sitting here that can say, that didn't work for me. I I prayed like you prayed. And that's when we have to step back and go, God never said this plus this. God is just good, period. God is just good. And when it doesn't work the way I want it to, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me. It just means he's got to walk a little different with me than he does somebody else. 
But we read this passage and think, man, I just, I must have been bad soil. I, I just didn't, I didn't hear it right. But see, that's what happens if we pay too much attention. And, and maybe over the years we have, maybe we have looked at this and looked at the soil too much. So today what I want you to focus on is the sower of the seeds. Let's talk about that angle today. Let's talk about the farmer who was so generous and gracious in the way that he was sowing the seeds. Because this was his field. He went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across his field, this is his field. This is not just some random piece of land. This ain't Johnny Appleseed just walking down the road. This is his field. That would mean he would know it, right? So like when my dad got ready to do garden, he knew exactly where to till, where to plant, where not to. He knew over the years, you know, this particular piece of ground, for whatever reason, I can't get anything to grow there, so just let it go, right? He knew where the path was. Don't till up the path, that's where we walk. But what did this farmer do? He just went out scattering seed everywhere. To me, this gives us a measure of hope. And and remember, the farmer, we're talking about God. This gives us a measure of hope. He knows how to cultivate the good soil, by the way. Any good farmer knows. Jerry knows. I bet Jerry, I mean, I, I was counting on Jerry today. I'm so sorry. I should have texted you and said, bring that man to church. Because um, I wanted to hear his process. I know Jerry does his process of getting that garden ready. He doesn't wait till the day of planting to go out and plant, right? So he knows. So this farmer in this parable, he knows how to cultivate the good soil. But he just goes out sowing seeds extravagantly. Why does he do this? Why does this give me hope? Because it means that, number one, he's not even scared there's a shortage of seeds. You know, when I used to help dad plant the garden, some seeds, we were very meticulous about, you know, one in this hole, one in that hole. And we usually would only have so many of those seeds. And then there were things like corn that was super cheap to buy, right? And I remember, I thought you planted it like everything else. And I was putting one kernel of corn and, you know, and dad was like, no, no, just go down through there and drop a few, drop a few, drop a few. And he said, we'll come back and we'll, we'll thin them out later, you know. Well, this farmer, there's no shortage, obviously, because he's chunking seeds in places it shouldn't even go. I mean, come on. Even as a kid, I know you didn't throw the seed over on the pathway. You didn't do it where you walked, right? Because then you have to come back and weed it later or pull it or (laughs) hoe it out, right? But this farmer, he's extravagant. Why? Because sometimes, even where it shouldn't grow, it does. Bo, you got a couple of pictures. I know you guys have seen this kind of thing before. Um, when a tree will grow where it shouldn't grow. Bo has new software, by the way. He told me to tell you that if something happened. You know how you update your phone and then you can't figure out anything? No, you've lost the pictures? Okay, never mind. If you, if you find them, you'll pop them up there. But it was just some pictures of trees that have grown in rock. And you know what I'm talking about. You can Google those pictures up. Where they just shouldn't be. Like, 
How did it even, have you ever seen that when you look at a tree and go, how did that get there? And a lot of times it's because that one little seed fell in a little crack somewhere and it took root and somehow, somehow it just kept growing. And got big enough, it busted the rock out. I think there was one more, yeah. You know, um, sometimes when we're hiking at Petagene and other places, you'll just see a tree in the most odd place and go, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you there, <laughs> you know? So that's the hope I see in this farmer in the parable. That we look at it and we do read that, you know, these are not the optimal places. But God, see, he does the work. And in the places so many people say are not good enough, the most amazing stories can come out of those places. And people will look at it and go, what in the world? And when we look at it in this fashion, when we're looking from the angle of the farmer, what you're looking at is what we call Prevenient grace. We talked a little bit about this last week. Prevenient grace. That's when God is working in your life and in other people's lives before they even know he's working. That's all that little word means. Prevenient grace is just when God is already working when we don't see it happening. And so even people, even if people choose not to receive it, God's grace is so big, he still gives it. Do you understand? I want you to wrap your mind around how awesome God's grace is. That even if people say no, he's still offering it. He's not picking and choosing. And I, and I need you to hear that because we fall into that sometimes. We fall into that. You know, because I, I look at this sometimes, this is the pastor perspective, and I see four different types of soil and only one produced a crop, which tells me 25% of that land gave me a return. Which tells me, out of everybody listening today, 25% are going to get it. And the rest, I don't know. But that doesn't mean that I should pick and choose who I'm throwing it out to, right? That's why when I pray, God, I need you to open their ears and let each person hear their message. Because you're going to hear different things that catch your attention. Maybe you even hear something that will spur you when you leave to look it up and, and look at something else, right? Because it confirms something else you've been struggling with anyway. So the seeds are an illustration of the kingdom of God, right? And, and we see it in other places, mustard seeds, right? The, the harvest is ripe, we just need the workers, right? We don't need to strive more to earn God's love or grace. Do you hear me, church? Because I know somebody is sitting here or you're at home online and you have struggled with this. Of, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not quite there. You know, maybe, maybe you're just a little bit rocky soil. If I could just get rid of some of these rocks in my life. But see, what I see is that God's grace is everywhere. 
And there's nothing you can do that makes that bigger or better for you than anyone else. He doesn't love that person more than you because that got answered in their life. I don't know why that got answered in their life and not in your life. I don't know. I can't explain God's reasoning all the time. But I can tell you he's a good God. He's a good father. And that before you were ever looking for him, he was already scattering the seeds in your life. Because I know many of you can stand up and tell me those testimonies of the things that happened before you were looking. That you didn't know what it meant until it happened. So we can celebrate the growth that's taking place in our lives just because we know God is faithful. Even before we see it, right? Because it's easy. I can watch the news every day or read on Facebook, and I see that 75% that I'm like, I'm sorry, God, we are so off. But I can never judge and say they don't deserve God's grace. Because this parable says his grace goes everywhere. His grace and his love is so extravagant that the people that rub you the hardest wrong way, he still loves them and will give them opportunity. You know, if, if I was up to, you know, if it was up to me a lot of times, I would be stingy with seeds. I stole some of Brittany's bird seed this morning. How many of you fed your birds over snow? And you had like a gazillion, trazillion, and then they all disappeared, right? Anybody else have that? Brittany was like, where'd all my birds go? You know, we put a little feeder on our very back porch so you could watch them through the window. And man, as soon as that snow melted, whoop, they were too good for us then. Our bird seed wasn't good enough. In fact, they left quite the mess on our porch when that snow melted. I was like, I thought these things had been eating all this seed. No, it's all over my porch. Brittany had to go out there and clean the porch. So if it was up to me, I would say, well, you look like pretty good soil. There you go. Okay, you look like good soil. Sorry, LaVon, you're fixing to hate me. Eric, you're pretty good soil. The rest of you, you're looking kind of rocky today. But you know what God does? You're all good soil. Sorry, LaVon, I'll back him, I promise. He just, he don't even, he don't even pay attention. He just scatters seed, right? And I go, but God, why are you giving it to them? They ain't going to grow over there. He says, just watch. It'll get there. It'll get there. There you go. You going to throw it back at me? There you go. Yeah, I'll vacuum, Levine. I'm so sorry. I got a new vacuum cleaner for you this week. Yes, I did. It does work a little bit better, so... But do you understand that's how God's grace works? You see, we, we try to plant it and, you know, we have events and, you know, we, we get discouraged if enough people don't show up, right? But it's like, so what if one person showed up? Plant the seed. And, you know, sometimes that return that comes back to you from that one that you're like, I don't even know if that even 
mattered to them. John White still thanks me and Thomas to this day because he remembers the days of youth ministry when he was the only one here. And we picked him up. (laughs) That's why he was the only one here, you know. But I remember feeling like a failure at the time, going, God, what, what are we doing wrong? Like, why are we not? And I wish I had the card I could have shared with you that he sent us one time of just what that meant to him. To know that we showed up for one. And that kind of became a motto for us. Clay Baker this week announced that he is youth pastor at Chattanooga's church. And I just told him, just love them consistently. Because that's what God's grace does. Because I promise you, we encounter a lot of people that are rocky, hard soil. But you just never know when that one seed is going to bust through all of that. And it starts with love. And there's no limit to sharing that good news. That's what I want you to see in this passage today. And you're thinking, well, BJ, why would you read that about family? Because family is the people, like I said, it's not always the blood biologically. It's the ones that you have been through things with. And Jesus said, all of these people, that's my family. That's who I'm going to scatter the seed out. I didn't just come here for my mama and my brothers. I came for the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. So church, when you leave here today, I want you to so love extravagantly. Just randomly. You never know what it means to somebody just to give them a smile those people when you walk in Walmart and sometimes, do you ever just stop and ask them how they're doing? <laughs> Helps them stay awake sometimes, you know. <laughs> I'm t- I know they tired of counting us people coming in and going in there, right? You know, they're, they're paid to ask us. Did you find everything you need? How are you today? They're paid to do that. How much better is it when we're not? And we return that same courtesy to them. Just so extravagantly. Give extravagantly. Don't try to reason. You know, sometimes we try to think, well, if I give this, I know I can't give that person money because I know how they will use it. And it might not be appropriate. And if God tells you to give, you give. Even if that person does use it the wrong way. Because if you don't give, then you just sin by being disobedient to what God asks you to do. So extravagantly. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.